You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Anagram adoring audio absorbing awesome audience, welcome to Banjo Bird Goo. What? Oh, it's <laughs> oh, an anagram. Of yes. Good job brain. <laughs> welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode fourteen, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen. And along with me are our marvelous minutia mining minds and mouths. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, We're just mouths to you. Is that all we are? (laughs) And mine. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Before we start the show, I want to share something pretty interesting. There's a new book uh, recently called Cruising Altitude, Tales of Crash Pads, Crew Drama, and Crazy Passengers at 35,000 Feet by Heather Poole, Mm. who Mm. is, sorry, not stewardess, but a flight attendant. And basically, it's a collection of stories and tales and facts of life as Mm -hmm. a flight attendant. I want to read this. Yes, very interesting. And so there's one fact that I I thought was really mind-blowing. Which is flight attendants hate Diet Coke. Diet Coke is almost our unofficial uh, drink of good job right Yeah, yeah right? Almost we, official. Almost <laughs> official. We love Diet Coke. And turns out flight attendants hate Diet Coke. And the reason is because the fizz takes forever to settle. Uh, yes. At 35,000 feet, it takes a really long time for it to kind of calm down. You know, in terms of time efficiencies, when you have a whole bunch of people ordering Diet Coke, they have to stand there in the aisle and kind of wait for the Diet Coke. As you know, as more and more people shift to drinking uh, diet sodas, you know, maybe there's money in finding out. Because this always happens to me. I order Diet Cokes uh, like at bars and things like that. And like the bartender will pour Diet Coke in and it's just like 80% fizz. Uh So maybe maybe they'll formulate some Diet Coke that fizzes less. So Heather Poole says, in the time it takes her to pour a single cup of Diet Coke, she can serve three passengers a different beverage. That's really interesting. Huh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, you know the uh, the Mentos and the Diet Coke fountain guys, you know, who they make the, the little squirting fountains out of yep. Diet Coke. I, I remember that they're saying that Diet Coke in particular is their soda. They, yes. they use it because it is so foamy and frothy yes. and yeah. produces such copious amounts of the, the bubbles. Yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's really interesting. This and other facts and, and stories are in her book. Very interesting. So here we go. Let's start off our show with our general trivia segment with our random trivial pursuit card. Pop quiz, hot shot. All right, barnyard buzzers ready. Number one, what country is home to the electronics company Philips? Chris. Japan. Incorrect. I believe it's the Netherlands. Yes! Oh, that's yeah. right. Of, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Well, 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 I mean, of course. I didn't know that. No, I mean, Philips did the CDI, which was the video game system, and they're yeah. based in Europe. Yeah. Yes. They invented the CD. I believe they're credited with inventing the CD. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Jointly, I believe. With, uh, yeah, with you Sony, right. 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 Yeah. Pink Wedge, Pop Culture. What 70s Hanna-Barbera cartoon starred a dog who could do martial arts? <laughs> oh. Chris. Hong Kong Fooey. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of this character in my whole life. Yellow Wedge. Who was the last president born in a log cabin? James A. Garfield, Ulysses S. Grant, or Theodore Roosevelt? What a mm. random, weird <laughs> trivia. Born in a log cabin. Um, 
It is James A. Garfield. Well, hmm. could have been any of them. You know, I feel yeah. like if I had thought about it a little bit more, maybe I would have come up with that. Okay, Purple Wedge. If you're typing in traditional hand position, what finger do you use to strike the letter Q? Your, Dana? your left pinky? Correct, yes. left pinky. Right, because right, it's upper left. All right, Green Wedge for science. What abbreviation is the plastic polyvinyl chloride better known by? Come on, come on. I think Chris actually bust in her. Hong Kong food. <laughs> PVC. Would that be PVC? Yes. PVC, yeah. correct. And last question, Orange Wedge. What is a kitchen on an airplane called? Oh, not topical. Galley. Correct, yeah. Yeah, galley. Like, which comes from ships, right? Yep. I think so. Term also refers to kitchen of a boat, train, <laughs> or submarine. <laughs> All right, and we also have our backer question. This one is from Trevor from Morro Bay, California. These questions are always so weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. This is weird. What is the longest non-technical word in the English language? I mean, longest non it's uh, the black lung disease. Is that what he's looking for? Nemono, Nemono ultramicroscopic silico volcanoconiosis. What, can you say that again? Is that, I believe it sounds like a technical <laughs> word. Is that is what he's it, looking for? That is counts as technical. Oh, is it anti? Is it anti? Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Yes, anti-disestablishmentarianism. Wow, how do you guys but, know? That's, well, that's just yeah. known yeah, as this great like word. I think that's also technical. Like that's a technical term. I think like medicine or engineering. What do you mean? I'm like super califragilistic. That is not technical. That's not technical, but it's not a word. It's in the dictionary. What is he dictionary? What what it you? is, oh God, I, okay, let's see if I can pronounce this. Floxanasa nihilopilification. What is it? And it <laughs> means the estimation of something as valueless. Sounds I'm going to challenge that answer, but. Uh, Floxanasa nihilopilification. <laughs> Fox and Nas in a high pillification. Oh, mouthful, man. <laughs> Even though the sound of it was something. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite atrocious. <laughs> all right. So let's jump into our topic of the week. Much like junk food, where we're all kind of crazy for, we're crazy about this. And, you know, it's a large topic. Uh, we're going to talk about toys, but toys is a giant topic. So we're going to boil it down to, I, I don't know how to describe it, maybe more human version. Okay, or yeah. Humanoid toys. Yes. Humanoid toys, so dolls, action figures, and all that awesome stuff. I'm a start out i want to ask you guys what company is the world's largest distributor of toys hmm. worldwide distributor not uh, toys r us i don't know incorrect Walmart? disney incorrect mcdonald's oh, oh that makes sense oh. yeah absolutely heavy mill that's Crazy. good that's good blows my mind so mcdonald's Anybody asks, you know the answer now. Huh. All right, I think we're going to do this uh, boys versus girls. <laughs> we're going to let the boys go first. Okay. Ob- obviously, you guys have your G.I. Joes and action figures. So. so Right. I mean, and dolls and action figures, really the same thing. It's just... It's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a question of after the massive success of, like, Barbie, you know, in the 50s, it's like, well, how could we also sell this to boys, right? Because Barbie... 
herself, which I think will... Karen, you said you're, we're going to talk about Barbie, right? Yeah, I mean, Barbie's a big part of the I'll, doll business. Yes, yes. And it's a big part of girls growing up in America. So we'll let the girls tackle the Barbie thing. But I mean, basically, <laughs> even Barbie herself was revolutionary. And so after that revolution, it was a question of, what do we do for, for boys? Can we get boys to buy dolls? And and the answer to that was G.I. Joe. Yep. Um, the original, not G.I. Joe versus Cobra, but G.I. Joe, the down-the-middle, no-superpowers, uh, United States military... And they were the larger dude. ones, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, were, they like, were, yeah, they were the, a the foot 10, tall. 11 inch tall. Right, yes. right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. This the, is... That was the previous incarnation. Because, I mean, not the 80s G.I. Joe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. G.I. Joe one. originally in the 1960s. And they had a lot in yeah. common with the Barbies. I mean, in oh, that, yeah. they had outfits. And, they were naked you know, and they had outfits. They had specialized you, uniforms. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. They were kin naked, though, right? They were yeah. they were, they were <laughs> kin naked. They were yeah. smooth. Yes. They were, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You, you, you know, you want to be. They're exploring all these crazy countries yeah. and you can get all kinds of <laughs> crabs. And, yeah, they were, they were kin naked. It was, how do we get them to swap outfits? Oh, well, you can could buy the Air Force outfit for your G.I. Joe, or you could buy the Navy outfit for your G.I. Joe. Probably fair to say the golden age of action figures would have been 70s, 80s. Between... The gold, well, the golden age of action figures was whatever age that you were buying action figures. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the, the, the G.I. Joes and Star Wars figures and... Right. Now, you're slightly older than me, so you were, a, really, you were a Star Wars kid. The Star Wars figures themselves were actually kind of revolutionary, too, because they, they kind of brought us out of the and action figures are really tall era uh-huh. because you know we had you had GI Joes which were very popular in the sixties and the seventies were really popular were the the Mego figures right, right? or Mego were Mego Mego yeah. mm-hmm. superheroes uh, and again they were tall they were they were a little shorter than GI Joes but they were like they were eight inches tall they had outfits that you could take on and you know it's like it still followed that same kind of you know pattern star wars figures were what really changed the paradigm they right? did because the they were down you know three and three quarter inch figures obviously a lot smaller less material to make but you know the other really brilliant stroke about the smaller figures is that it was a lot easier to make vehicles you know that you could scale them oh. you know i mean if you imagine you've got the gi joe figure at 12 inches if you want to make a jeep that he fits in it's you know it's gonna be two feet long but i mean that, that wasn't necessarily the goal but they discovered pretty quickly that in the world of Star Wars that they sold so many vehicles and things like that. Oh. It was a lot easier to if you could fit the figures inside. Originally they had gone to Mego. You know, along the lines of like M&M's turning down E.T. Right. And Reese's Pieces picking it up. Yeah, so Mego was approached and the, the movie hadn't come out yet, Star Wars being the movie. Oh! And Mego was one of the kings of, of American toys. They made they made the Micronauts and they made all kinds, as Chris said, all kinds of great 70s toys. Uh, and they turned down the, the offer to license the Star Wars toys, and even knowing the context of the movie coming out, well, I mean, didn't you know it was you all, all you know is no yeah. one, coming out. no yeah. one yeah. could have, or certainly no one did predict how huge it was going to be. And then mm. Kenner picked it up, Kenner Toys uh, subsidiary of uh, General Mills, which is one reason that there were so many serial and product tie-ins early oh. on, because it was just you know corporate synergy right on down yeah. the line. So while yeah. we own the cereal company and the toy company, we can have mail-aways to encourage Buy cross-selling of both cereal of and yeah. save your. UPC codes and you can mail it away for a Star yeah. Wars figure, right? Exactly. Yeah, and so Kenner was the company that Kenner, did, right? Did which up ultimately, Star Wars. yeah, in the '90s, I think was bought by Hasbro, and Hasbro owns the rights to all the Star Wars now. Right. Um, but Kenner at the time made millions and millions and millions of dollars. And one of my favorite stories about the early days of those uh, figures was the very, very first Christmas of Star Wars. So you know, Star Wars came out in May, summer, summer 1977. Obviously, huge hit. <laughs> I mean, it became like the biggest grossing movie of all time within that first calendar. Absolutely. Year. Right. 
right. it wasn't very long before yeah young and old you know boys girls i mean everybody it was a huge hit and so it became really crystal clear that that christmas was going to be a prime toy giving toy buying opportunity so i want you to imagine though you know travel travel back with me imagine that you're a little kid christmas of 77 like you were just geeked out on star wars like all you want is the star wars toys you open up the box you're expecting the star wars toys your action figures and you get an IOU from, from <laughs> Kenner, <laughs> which is so essentially sneaky. what happened. They no. they could not well, parents, ramp up. Well, parents knew. The parents knew. The, the yeah. parents knew. Yeah, it wasn't like the parents were shocked. But Kenner knew. They, they knew it was such a huge hit, but they had no chance of ramping up production enough to get enough action figures in stores in time for Christmas. But they didn't want to miss out on this looming oh. cash cow so it's pretty smart in one sense so they came up with the that they called it the the early bird package is how they branded it which oh. is pretty clever instead of iou right sounds yeah, pretty yeah. crappy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i'd be disappointed but it was for all intents and purposes it was essentially a, a box that came with a little cardboard diorama it had some pictures of the <laughs> figures on it they, they encouraged you to use it as a stand for when you eventually got the figures okay. they threw in some stickers and star wars swag and a fan club card but uh, the the bulk of the purchase was you were buying a certificate <laughs> that you could cash in for the figures a few months down the road you're buying futures in, in yeah, that's Wars right that's figures. right yeah. and you know in how many sad kids lost their certificate in that <laughs> time. Oh, it's hard to manage paperwork as an adult yeah. like yeah. right, right. right. Yeah. To open up right. On and the figures oh, weren't yeah. ready for months is the right. thing the figures weren't ready until well into 1978 yep. and they had added a few figures by that time and you know the the original four figures and if you have these today, I mean, the biggest irony is that these certificates now are worth many times more than the, the, toys the, the certificate than itself, some, yeah. right? Of course, right. yes, yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, the first set was Luke and Leia and Chewbacca, Chewie, and uh, R2-D2. Not and Darth Vader. No Darth Vader, no, no Han, Solo. Han Solo. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they decided those four. And in 1978, they sold 40 million action figures. Wow. Uh, over $100 million, despite the, the early shortfall of getting an IOU. They did follow through, though. They did. They okay. Oh, yeah, no, if you sent in your certificate, you would get what they called the early bird package of those four, those four figures. In the mail. In the mail, some months later. God. Yes. Merry so- Christmas from Kenner. Yep. So yeah. inefficient yeah. back in the days. You can't even go to a store and like redeem it or something. I mean, and then just the other small part that a lot of Star Wars fans will know is that this was George Lucas's really masterstroke was that the studio essentially said to him, we'll let you have the lion's share of the merchandising rights in exchange for giving us these really favorable to us terms on the movie. And that's where Lucas really has the bulk of his billions is from the merchandising, merchandising. that he was smart enough to, to <laughs> yes. lock up early on. Yeah. Wow. Nice. For me, the action figure line that I was into, like you were into Star Wars, was was He Man. Oh yeah. Um, and this started up in 1981, and basically this all actually apparently came about. There's some disputes because um, Mattel was negotiating for the rights to make Conan the Barbarian uh, uh, figures. Well, oh, based on the movie. Uh, I believe so. Yes. And yeah. it was a comic before then too. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there was there was Conan the Barbarian was kind of uh, enjoying a resurgence at that point, and they were looking at making action figures, but it fell through. They decided not to. Um, and then like. 
like a year later, they do He-Man, very similar to, to Conan the Barbarian. I believe there was, in fact, there was legal action over this, and I think Mattel won because it wasn't, you know, materially, uh, substantially, because there was so much to the He-Man mythos that they right, kind of came right. up with. And they came up with the, the mythology for He-Man and all of the action figures really first as action figures. And what they did was they had uh, mini-comics that told stories about He-Man and Skeletor and Tila and Prince Adam and all this kind of stuff, and they inserted those mini-comics into the, the action figure packages. So you got this little comic. Um, oh. And that's how it told the you who these people were, yeah, and what their so origin stories were, yeah. the cartoon wasn't even made the yet. The cartoon wasn't even made yet. Now, eventually, in 1983, they started making the cartoon. And the cartoon, I mean, that cartoon was to sell action figures. This yeah. Advertising. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yep. We introduce characters in the cartoon, and the kids like the characters, and then the, the action figure comes out later. Oh. Yeah. So smart. And and one of the things with Masters of the Universe is that they, I mean, really to save money in the beginning, I mean, it was very it was very much designed to save money in every way possible in terms of reusing molds and reusing body parts. Like mm-hmm. He-Man and his arch nemesis, Skeletor, like their torso is the same. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Their crotch is the same. They have veins on their leg in the same spot. Right. Well, their legs and their arms are different because they had oh. bad guy arms that were like claws. <laughs> uh, and they had bad guy legs that had webbed feet. But then they'd use those same bad guy arms right, and legs. Right. And the yeah. arms popped off the torso because they're literally assembling them at the factory. Like, pop, pop, just popping the arms on. You and know? they would just be different yeah. colors, The legs are attached right? with rubber bands. Yeah, they just painted yeah. in different colors. They had figures that were just, like, there was Beast Man. But then they came out with Moss Man, who was just Beast Man covered in, like, green fleck yeah. fabric. <laughs> um, and they would just get away with the most crazy stuff. Like, there was Stinkor, who was a skunk, but he was just Merman, right? <laughs> painted black, and then they took Mechanex red armor and painted it orange and put it on Stinkor, and I think they gave him a weapon that was a repaint of somebody else's. So they made this whole new figure. The whole thing is just mix and match. It's just mix yeah. and match out of old parts. I noticed they were always the same size, but I didn't realize, oh, it's because they're made from the same parts. Just kind of hodgepodge. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Everybody yeah. in this yeah. universe is well, exactly the same yeah. height. You knew as a kid that they were doing that, you know? Yeah. It starts to, that's how you start to get cynical as a kid. It's easy buy a Masters of the Universe figure and you're like, wait a you gosh your, darn minute. Yeah, I could have yeah. made my own. I, mean, I was making hybrids like you put the Skeletor arms on He-Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And actually, well, Stinkor, they actually they, they put like a perfume on I remember. Thing. He actually He's, had an odor like, to oh, him. Oh, he smells like a skunk. He didn't. He smelled like, you know, he smelled like a scratch and sniff snicker of, of, uh, of, eggs of dubious quality. No, it smelled good. No, it smelled good because uh, as a kid, you just sit around there, you know, huffing Stinkor. Huffing Stinkor. Yeah, because it smells like <laughs> The Chris Kohler memoirs, Huffing Stinkor. Um, yeah, so, and then later, I mean, it, it, Masters of the Universe, I mean, again, just like the Star Wars figures, did incredibly well, and then it just petered out in, dramatically, right, right. instantly, towards like 1986, 87, uh, when the movie came out. I mean, that was, the movie oh. was just the end. I remember. Like, the, the Dolph Lundgren uh, motion yeah. picture, which, yes. Frank Langella. Uh, Courtney uh, Cox, also. A pre-Friends Courtney Cox was in that movie. By that point, the last in the lines of the figures right, were yeah. actually, like, all original sculpts. You know, they weren't reusing things. But they had a few characters from the movie, which are now what, some of the more collectible characters because they were produced in smaller batches. It just died. It yeah. petered out. They've 
brought it back with like figures aimed at collectors now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, as, I was gonna say, like, it's it's come full circle in that. I mean, Star Wars as yeah. well. That they have all these retro vintage editions that are sold to us again. You know, right. people like you and me, <laughs> twenty years later. Yes, it's absolutely. not they're not selling to a younger generation. You know, trying and, to get you back. And in yes. terms of Mattel really coming full, full circle after, okay, well, what do we do? How do we how do we make dolls uh, for boys? Okay, action figures. A couple years into He Man, it was how do we make action figures for girls? And that turned out to be Princess of Power, or She-Ra, which is combining. You know, they were the same the same height as He Man, <laughs> yeah. and but they had uh, pretty hair with that came with little brushes, so the girls could brush their hair. <laughs> but then they fought with swords and guns. Wow. <laughs> well, I think it's the girls' turn to talk about our action figures. No, they're just called dolls. They're dolls. <laughs> you make them go on adventures. They're having they're action. Of course, we have yeah. to talk about Barbie. Mm. The grandmama of all action figures and <laughs> dolls. She's the one who started all. And actually, I didn't realize this until I, I, I did some research, was that before Barbie, all of the dolls or humanoid toys were babies. Right. And right. I didn't Give a know girl that. a little baby doll to play with. Right. Yep. Ruth Handler, who is the wife of um, Mattel. El- Elliot Handler, the L in Mattel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so she she saw this. She saw that her own her own kid, a daughter, Barbara, was playing with infant dolls, and she'd pretend that they're a little bit older. And she's like, "Wait a minute, there's no market to fit this role." Yeah, right. for well, a, there's a market, but there's no there's oh, no right. product right. in the market, yeah. or exactly. there's a huge market for this. Yep. On a family trip to Germany, they saw that there was a doll in Germany called a Build. Pronounce it well, Lily. Lily. Yeah. Build Lily. It was a pretty much like a proto Barbie, mm-hmm. a grown up woman. Right. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be. She she was based off, I believe, a, a newspaper cartoon. cartoon. Yeah. A cartoon. Yeah. Tune. She's kind of like a working girl, I guess, well, it's but not a, in the prostitute. Well, no. Well, I mean, not, she, not that she was a prostitute, but it was a, it was an adult-oriented newspaper cartoon about this kind of like dumb blonde girl uh, who was like this blonde like bombshell, yeah, like blonde yeah and Dagwood who, or who went around doing like kind of stupid girl things, right, in the newspaper. And so they made this doll. And it was more like a novelty thing mm. for men. And people people thought of it as being like a sex doll or sex toy, you know, because the Lily doll had really exaggerated mm-hmm. proportions and hips, mm-hmm. you know, and really looked like kind of a, you know, cartoonish parody. Kind of the way, like, today, like, a, an adult collector might have, like, an anime or manga girl figure exactly. or something Exactly. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Precisely. Just like that. And at first, Mattel were kind of lukewarm on that idea. They're like, no. Uh, no. I don't no, think they wanted to do it at all. Not at all? No. They were just like, no. Because it's... So it's weird, like, who's going to buy this? It's, like, it's really oddly mature. She has really huge breasts. I know, really? I, We're going to sell this to young girls? Like, they didn't understand. Well, as yeah. you said, like, the, the previous, I think, the vision of, like, the the role-playing and playing with the doll was that the girl en- envisioned herself as the doll's mother, whereas with Barbie, it's more envisioning yourself as, as Barbie. Barbie. Right. So, I mean, it really, you kind of had to think about the play in a whole new way. Do you guys know what Barbie's full name is? Uh, I do, actually, because I researched it for this podcast. <laughs> uh, I believe it's Barbara Millicent Roberts. Correct. Yeah. And she was named after the aforementioned daughter yep. of the what inv- inventor. What a bonus, bonus point. What are her parents' names? <gasps> oh. Elliot. Dang. I wish it was Elliot and Ruth. Is Tim it? and Marsha. George and Margaret Wow. Roberts. And she, from the lore, from canon, uh-huh. Barbie uh <laughs> Is from the town Willows in Wisconsin. Huh. huh. And now huh. she's and she's not a student, right? She's graduated college. She yes. has a degree. She's out in the working world. I think there might be conflicting. Okay. She has a lot of degrees. She's okay. an astronaut. Oh and a yeah, doctor yeah. And, yeah. But she did go to high school in uh, in New York. So yeah. Uh-huh. So she actually does have mm-hmm. a whole backstory. 
And Barbie, lots of controversy with Barbie. Obviously, yeah. what, what Chris touched upon is it's very sexy. The first Barbie doll actually has um kind of a they all their eyes are looking to the side. Oh yeah, in sort of know? a demure way, like they're glancing over to the like, side instead of like looking bit, forward. Bit yeah, sexy. And this that was in it was the Barbie doll. You have to look at the Lily dolls too because the original Barbie dolls were just a straight up copy Rip of off, the Lily yep. dolls. Yeah, I mean the eyes are looking the same way. The heads are the Lily dolls have. Like a five head or a six head. That's how you can <laughs> right. kind of tell the difference. If a huge exaggerated comic forehead, right, still which was slightly more caricature. realistic for Barbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, it saves on research and design, right? If you can just <laughs> copy what Rip somebody else. And obviously, Barbie's measurements have been, you know, in the news a lot. Right, right. A lot of people saying, "Oh, if we translate the Barbie size to an actual person, it's not very probable. Her waist is too skinny." And so Mattel has been widening her waist. Well, and they've, adju- <laughs> and they've adjusted her over the years. Yeah, yeah. right. But I mean, right. she still looks bombshelly. Right? It's funny they have like those real the American Girl dolls, and those are kind of like proportioned like a real girl right are you there i don't think you're their mother either that's not the fantasy it's more like they're you they're you or or your little sister maybe or and they're historical so they're like you as a slave or you (laughs) (laughs) you, you in old timey times right right, i don't think they really have that one yeah they do they have a slave american girl she was a oh yeah she was freed slave oh wow yeah Young girl okay. about American history. history. American yeah. history, okay. yeah. American history. At least she's a freed slave. Okay. Wow. American girl stuff, man. That that stuff is crazy. People go nuts. I don't want to have girls because, like, just American girl bills alone are going to bankrupt future <laughs> me. Are they really that expensive? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, dolls are like ridiculous. You have to go to the American girl store. And it's you know, about the, the like New York City and like things like that. Else. Oh, yeah. It's, of yeah, course. So I, I'm so, not The dolls are so large, you know? Like, the dolls themselves are really expensive. Then you get all the clothes and the books and everything like that. Man. Girls are pricey. I know. Oh, more <laughs> points. Have boys. I'll just give them a couple of rocks to bang together. <laughs> more bonus points. Uh, we know Barbie's boyfriend or or love interest is Ken. Ken. Uh-huh. What is Ken's full name? Ooh. Ken- Kenneth? <laughs> Kenneth. Kenneth J. Smooth Crotch. <laughs> I think I like Ken uh, better if his name was indeed Kenneth J. Smoothcrotch. Uh, it's it's Ken Carson. Oh, oh okay. I think I knew that. And okay. now uh, there was uh, she has her cousin or sister, right? Skipper. Skipper yeah. is that? It's her, her sister. It's her sister. Okay. There's a whole there's Barbie's family is as extensive as right because there's like Snoopy's babies families. and yeah. Yep, and yeah. she has a, a pregnant friend, a pregnant Midge. Uh, Pre- Midge right, has been pregnant right. for a long they, they, time. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make Barbie pregnant right. because that would lead to too many uncomfortable that conversations. Be, right, right, right. right about, her friend, right, Mitch, right, who's right, pregnant. Right. Her and... boyfriend has genitals. <laughs> <laughs> husband, husband. <laughs> it's not married, Mitch. She's pregnant. <laughs> Teen pregnant Barbie. Teen pregnant Barbie. <laughs> so, Midge, you you can remove her uterus, well, not uterus, what? but her skin, her belly, okay. her oh. pregnant belly. You can remove it. It's like a lid, and inside is an upside down baby. Oh, so it's so it's C-section. Yeah, it's C-section. <laughs> C-section midge. <laughs> it looks really gross. It looks like it looks like something from Alien. Is this a modern one or this is like a retro one? This they've been making pregnant midge wow. for a while. I did not know that. And uh, in 1997, Mattel joined forces with uh, Nabisco to 
do a cross promotion. Cracker Barbie. <laughs> double <laughs> double you stuff Barbie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. You open, her, you open her, her stomach and there's a lot of there's cookies in there. Inside. Yeah. It's, uh, it's image. called Oreo Fun Barbie. Oh, and it's I saw this. I saw this at the flea market. What is it? So it's just... Barbie, who likes Oreos, basically. That's crap. And oh, that's just... Uh. The, whole, the whole intent is so, you know, little girls can play after class with their Barbies while eating Oreos and milk. Mm. Oh, they can all eat They can Oreos. all enjoy Is she it. holding Oreos or something? What does she... So, I'm sure it comes with a stack of tiny Oreos, the right? interesting Like thing a Pez is, dispenser, you pull back her head and Oreo comes out of it. <laughs> this was back in 1997, so I think during... In the 90s, they would make... Uh, for every kind of a new Barbie version, they would make a black Barbie and white Barbie. So for Oreo Fun Barbie, they had both the African-American Barbie and the original Barbie. Yeah. And people kind of freaked out because Oreo is might be used as a derogatory oh, term indeed. for yes. yeah, uh, uh, someone who is, quote, black on the outside and white in the inside. So a lot of people are like, whoa, that is really weird. And so... Guess what? The doll was unsuccessful, and Mattel recalled the unsold stock. And really? Actually, if you saw this at the flea market, you should buy it because it's sought after by collectors. Oh, Get out. I bet. I bet. Oreo fun Barbie. <laughs> Man. And Barbie collectors are hardcore. I Yeah, I missed it. Non-controversial Barbie. They, so they actually did a series of um, Barbie in the workplace. Right. Like Barbie goes yeah. to work kind of stuff. Like veterinarian Barbie and things like that. And they actually had people vote online on what they would also like to see added to the line. And the runaway success, duh, uh, in this online poll Is was... Is it blogger Barbie? It was, in fact, computer engineer Barbie. Yes. That's right. That's right. Was, of course, that's what the internet decided to, uh, to so pick. Cute. And so, yeah, there's a computer engineer Barbie a laptop. There. Well, yeah. it, there was well, a there was small there was, controversy because they was. gave her a pink laptop. Uh, right? Oh, oh no! Uh, part of it was I felt that they they thought that they had given her like a dumb phone, like a flip phone, a smartphone. <laughs> yeah, but I think maybe there was a pink laptop too. Yeah, I think there is a blogger Barbie. <laughs> oh, is there? Yeah, I think there's a separate blogger Barbie writing for like Jezebel about celebrities. <laughs> a lot of bl- a lot of blind items on Midge. <laughs> <laughs> Midge's baby bump enters its twenty seventh month. Aww. It's like Midge has like. <laughs> Those, those calcified babies <laughs> just stuck there forever. Oh, poor Midge. Dark turn. <laughs> it got really dark. <laughs> Sorry. So there, you know, dolls that are about taking care of babies. Like, I feel like it would, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about those kinds of dolls. So when I was a little kid, Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, that yeah. was the was such yeah. a phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. Such a f- my, my little sister it was definitely yeah. the Cabbage Patch Kids. 1984, 20 million dolls were sold that year. And it folds back into video games, of course, like everything does with me, because it was made by Coleco. Just kind of finished up, like the video game market had just crashed, and the you know the Coleco Vision was basically off the market, and their their Atom computer had basically failed. Yeah, and they found uh, salvation in Cabbage. Cabbage Patch Kids. Yeah, a lot of salvation. Oh my god. God, yeah, that was a they good made the right move, yeah. Cabbage Patch Kids, they're basically babies that supposedly you have to adopt them because they're born from cabbage patches, yeah. right. not from parents. Well, and each of the dolls is different. They, they use computer technology to make each of them totally unique. Right. And they all have their own names and a birth certificate and adoption papers when you get them. And they're, they come from Babyland General Hospital. There's yeah. That's part of the whole fantasy of... 
Cabbage the, the Cabbage Patch Kids is a, you know is one of the lies that you tell your kids about like you know they ask where babies come from and you don't want to actually tell them so you're like oh well the stork stork delivers them and then some people say oh well babies grow in cabbage patches they're oh, fertilized okay. by the bunny bees <laughs> this is in the Cabbage Patch mythology the, yeah and the, yeah and the, it's canon for the Cabbage Patch <laughs> <laughs> they fertilize them with crystals magic crystals <laughs> and, and you're 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 helping them escape from being enslaved in the gold mines. So, child so labor, Dickensian. Child yeah. yeah. God. Well, and they, I remember the cabbage, they had these big round heads That's and the big thing. round eyes. Yeah. As much and... as how successful Cabbage Patch Kids are, they're ugly. They're really ugly. I don't care what computer technology <laughs> made them unique. When you look at they look really freaky. There was a whole, there was an urban legend in the 80s about them being ugly on purpose in order to prepare people in case there's a nuclear holocaust that their children will be ugly. <laughs> so that was like an urban legend that was going Baloney. <laughs> There was there was also Cabbage Patch Kids controversy because they had um, there were I, I recall Cabbage Patch Kids preemies yes which they, yeah. they yes. made smaller Cabbage yeah, they Patch did. Kids they did and they're like oh it's one. a preemie that's right it's a premature baby that's right it's so yeah. sad well, they're and, the and ones that like, look like babies not like little toddlers they just they were yeah. ball headed but it was like but true. the whole yeah, thing was true. just like wait and they marketed these things and it was just like, wait a minute are we really like glamorizing yeah. like yes yeah, celebrating the premature baby like severe health risks and you know what but in the 80s it seems like they're probably there were there was a higher chance of premature babies living than they ha- than there had been before. I knew a lot of oh, preemies true. when I was growing up, so yes, I wonder yeah, if in like the, in the eighties and nineties to garner some yeah. preemie pride. No. I, I was premature. I'm gonna yeah. wager that it was more about selling toys than, <laughs> ma- than oh, making yeah. any grand social just, statement. I, it, was a, yeah. it was a marketing. Yes, I, I would put yeah, my money because on it that. Turn people off. But I remember like they they, they grew out of cabbages, yes. right? They, so it would be yeah. they would have these rows of cabbages with these tiny round heads yeah. in the middle of them. So scary. Do you remember Garbage Pail Kids? Oh, yes. totally. That was what oh, I yeah. 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 Thank God for Cabbage Patch Kids inspiring Garbage Pail yeah. Kids. They had yeah. the awesomest names. I had I thought they were associated with each other. I cuz they look just like Cabbage Patch Kids. Wait, they're, they're clearly, separate? Oh yeah. It's totally it different. Yeah. yeah. They Xavier Roberts who did the Cabbage Patch Kids sued tops for those. Yeah. Garbage Pail Kids were basically a parody of Cabbage Patch Kids, and they were um, trading cards with stickers, and they came with gum and mm-hmm. little packs of the store. They were and following they, on from, like, Wacky Packages, which was a set of parody trading cards with parody products. Yeah. They, had, oh. they had crazy names, like Smelly Kelly or Yicky Mickey, or and they, they were gross pictures. They were of really Cabbage Patch gross. Yeah. Right. yeah but just... they, they were right up your alley if you were a little kid. They were yeah. awesome. <laughs> So they're separate. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a that parody. That's crazy because they look parody. exactly well, like. Well, that's the whole point. It was like kind of like Mad Magazine style parody where the goal is like get the art style as close as possible. And I mean, I, I don't know if this was the goal, but at least in my circle of friends, it was mostly the boys who were really into the Garbage Pail Kids, yeah. which I thought was pretty clever since it was mostly the girls who were into the Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes. It, so it kind of, uh, they, they found a nice market for the parody. Everybody in my class had them. We yeah. traded them. Oh, oh like yeah. crazy. Yep. It, yep. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, and I have a quick toy quiz for you guys, so get your buzzers ready. Okay. And today we're going to talk about, in my quiz, uh, names of toys. A lot of toys have very, very weird and eccentric names. And first up. This toy uh, comes from the Filipino Tagalog expression meaning come. Technically, it's come, come. Is that a uh, yo-yo? Correct. Oh, yo-yo. oh wow. To come, Is come. Is it from the Philippines, the yep. yo-yo? All right. And this comes from a phrase in a foreign language that means play well. Oh, oh, uh... I believe that's Lego. Correct. Oh, okay. The Danish phrase for play well is leg goat. So this toy slash game is named after the word that means to grope frantically. It's a real word, and the real word stands for grope I believe that's Scrabble. Correct. Oh, yes. oh nice. Like scra- Scrabbling for purchase. Yeah, Scrabbling okay. for, yes, yes, and that's wonderful. Scrabble uh, was first called Lexico. And then got hmm. changed to crisscross words. <laughs> <laughs> and then changed to Scrabble. Lexico sounds like a bad, nerdy villain. And <laughs> Lexico! I'm going to use the power of words against you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the name of this toy is derived from the word peppermint in a foreign language. Pez. Correct. Pfeffermins. Ah. Yep. German yeah. word for peppermint, which is pfeffermins. This toy means to build. Oh. Swahili word for to build. Uh, is it uh, Jenga? Correct. Oh, Jenga. Nice. Oh, okay. That's good. And last one here. A little bit tricky. So this toy was named after the name of a baking company in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And the, there's a reason why it's a baking company. Easy Bake Oven. No. Yeah. They used something from the baking company to make this toy. Oh, wait. I'll say it. It's not right. Shrink Eatings. No. No. Frisbee. Oh. oh the pie pan. The Frisbee Baking right. Company yes. had a whole bunch of pie tins that yeah. people used to throw it around and hence became Frisbee. Right. College yeah. students. That's right. <laughs> and it was Frisbee B-I-E. It was F-R-I-S. B-I-E. Right, yeah. Right. Awesome. Good job, you guys. How's it going? That was my quick toy quiz. So as I kept thinking about collectible values, because, you know, I, I, that's where my mind goes. You know, I started thinking about the ultimate fad of uh, Beanie Babies in the 1990s. Oh, oh yeah. man. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing. Even though the Beanie... So, so Beanie Babies, for those who are <laughs> like, you know, if you're living <laughs> under a giant pile of discarded Beanie Babies uh, <laughs> and don't know about them. They're small stuffed animals. Uh, they were sold in like Hallmark stores and little, you know, kind of boutique stores like that, mostly for the first few years. But they're just they're filled with beans or yeah. little PVC like little bean beans, bags. Bean right? Bag yes, they're bean bags, so they can you can pose them a little more easily, basically. Um, and the, the company, the guy's name is Ty Warner, um, and he started the company like Ty Warner Incorporated, which he eventually changed to Ty. You know, they have the little 
plastic paper tags on them that have the Thai company logo, TY. For some reason or another, these things became huge. Right. And not only did mm-hmm. kids love them, like this was in 1993, 94, they kind of started up in a few years, you know, a couple of years down the line. Every kid wanted all these Beanie Babies, but adults just started collecting them. And, um, and there were limited amounts of them, well, right? He, yeah, so, well, first of all, there were limited amounts because, you know, there were, it was a small toy company that was just making a few toys and selling them in specialty shops, you know? But their strategy was they and they came up with this the, the phrase retiring. Oh, we're retiring yeah. um, these beanie babies uh, and they're creating artificial demand, yeah. artificial and scarcity. So I mean, instead yeah. of instead of instead of discontinuing, they're, you know, we're crossing this off the list. We're like, well, this beanie baby is going into retirement, so buy it now. And because they were kind of hard to track down in the first place, you know, people would sort of scramble to buy them. Right. What this then caused. Is people going out and buying the new Beanie Babies, assuming that on you know, spec? <laughs> because yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because these older ones were retired and suddenly became worth money, right? Because now that the secondary Beanie Baby market emerges, and interestingly enough, some of them really do still sell for a lot. It was the Dutch tulip craze yep, uh, yep. for Beanie Babies. Precisely, speculators got into it. They had no value. And one day, everybody decided they weren't worth anything anymore, and the, and the, and the bottom of the market oh. drops out, and people, if you had a lot of money tied up in these, and Beanie Babies, they did, like, a Princess Diana bear immediately after Princess Diana died, and it was this purple right, bear with a right. white rose yeah. on it, you know, and people bought those up, those are worthless now, because they made so <laughs> many of them, oh. you know? But there's some, and I'll, I'll tell you, so if you're looking out yes. for these, um, I looked on eBay for actual completed auctions that actually sold um and things like peking the panda which was a panda <laughs> and and that was i mean just as a quick aside that was part of their thing was like each one was a different animal with yeah. a cute usually alliterative name you yes. know jenny yep. the giraffe peking the panda yeah. right there was a brownie the bear which is one of the first like of the beanie mm. babies they did and they changed his name to cubby very shortly afterwards um oh, so, so you have one the with the tag that says brownie <laughs> but then of course it's just a little paper tag you've got to make sure it's not a counterfeit right. tag right. you know all that kind of because people would switch the tags on things. I remember you know? they made tag protectors. Yes, yes. there was yes. A, there was a, a, a cottage industry in the accessories around the Beanie Babies, including a protector for your tag. And the coolest thing I thought you might like this is that um, around 2006, I believe it was, uh, the chef Joel Robuchon was opening a new restaurant. I think it was in New York, and to commemorate this, to invite people to the grand opening of the restaurant, they sent them uh, a special Beanie Baby uh, with a chef's hat and a chef's coat uh, that said Chef Robichon on it and the Beanie Babies the bear's name was Chef Robichon and they Mm. mailed these out as part of the invites to the grand opening this is like the most desired baby so I want to talk about what I I thought this was going to be grouped in with the the boys action figure stuff (laughs) I see this as the original action figure Mr. Potato Head (laughs) (laughs) I think that's I think it's unisex but Skews to girls, actually. Really? Yeah, there's a lot of girl accessories uh, on there. The Mrs. I feel Potato like it's split right it. down the middle. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like I had as many. Kids. Yeah. Vegetables are unisex. Right. But yeah. how yeah. smart, you know, mom is preparing dinner, you know, and she's not ready to peel the potatoes yet. She's like, here, okay, take this potato and you can use your. Because the original Mr. Potato Head. It's just a box of It was just a bunch of accessories, yeah, right? Did yeah. not come with a body. The, you're supposed to use an actual potato, supply which I did your, not, Supply your own potato. I not know this at it's all. smart. And, th- and this was when that they came out with them? And this was a uh, 1950s, okay. I believe. Okay. But the thing is, the, the big change when they actually introduced the plastic body, it was because people were injuring themselves. Little yeah. kids were... Uh... 
I was wondering about that because potatoes aren't soft. Like they're not. <laughs> no, all yeah. of those eyes and nose and stuff, they actually had a, a pretty sturdy poking mechanic oh, in the back. Oh, really? Like, they, like slip like, trying to poke it in or whatever. Or yep. So they would pierce it in the potato and, and kids, uh, kids, are kids, kids, are kids are dumb. Kids are dumb. Kids are dumb. Motor <laughs> skills yes. haven't fully developed. Exactly. It's a recurring motif yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> they changed that. They actually had the, the plastic potato body right. with the bigger holes and yeah. you can fit the pegs in the holes so there's no cutting involved. They, as I was looking at stuff for this podcast, I was looking at the original box for the slip and slide, which actually has a diagram showing a kid doing like a back somersault <laughs> yes. onto the... It's like, just just flip over backwards and land on your back on the slip and this slide and slide all the lawyers. way down. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> they didn't really think things no. through. <laughs> Speaking of like, of like not having lawyers in the commercials or whatever. So, do, do you guys remember the stretch arm Armstrong, yeah. This toy? Oh. Okay, I totally had. I didn't just have a Stretch Armstrong. I had multiple Stretch Armstrongs. He's like, he's kind of like Mr. Fantastic. Right, right. So I had was, one until he broke. Exactly. Every kid yeah. had at least one until they broke. They were so fragile. So just yeah. for anyone who may not know what it is, it was it, the, the very original was Stretch Armstrong, and he kind of looked like a uh, like a pro wrestler. He mm-hmm. was like this big blonde buff guy with like little black trunks on, and he it was a latex uh, latex rubber skin and. And the, the whole thing was filled with this viscous material, so you could stretch the arms and legs way, way out, multiple feet long. And what I remember about the commercials, you know, so it came out in uh, 1976 originally. The commercials were just these little boys just stretching the arms as far as they could. Like, I, I felt like the commercials were almost daring you to try and break the toy. And that's <laughs> and what people we, did. Oh, I remember my sister and oh, I had yeah. one, and we would each grab an arm and a leg and just see how far we could go. Yep. Like, kids would bring them to school. We would wrap them around the jungle gym. <laughs> and sure enough, they would always, always, always develop these little punctures yes. or tears yeah. in the skin. And, the, the, and the, the stuff inside comes out, and it's to, sticky yeah. and gooey. Yeah. And uh, it was actually... What uh, is it? So I did a little bit of uh, digging into this, and it, it got more and more fascinating. So as I say, the skin was latex. They were filled with corn syrup. Okay. It was like a condensed, gelled oh, so corn it was, syrup. Oh, so it was totally non Totally non Right, but it would get all over everything, and I oh, remember, yeah. like at our house, you know, we would puncture them, and my dad would try and fix it or whatever, and that would never last. <laughs> no. And so we'd buy a new one. They had many variations of the Stretch Armstrong. It was such a hit, so they came out, started coming out with superhero versions. Like I had the Hulk. They had these two octopus figures as well, and I remember very clearly mm. having these. They were uh, Ollie and Olivia. And did they, they have were, eight tentacles? They did. That sounds awesome. It was so much fun, and you can they have. Uh, if you just do a little googling you can still find photos and, and commercials of these and they were so much fun because it was the stretchy viscous material but with eight <laughs> tentacles to pull off that's yeah awesome now, um, any kid like strangle himself with this or like you know they tie it around each other's necks and then oh it snaps God. back I, I remember we would try using them we would use them as handcuffs and things like that <laughs> I mean it was like I don't, I don't I didn't find any reports of children dying or asphyxiating but many many broken ones the more I read about this and a lot of this information is coming from Stretch Armstrong World .com, a, a fanatical collector has now, put together you, this information. Can you still buy them? So 
they, they, they've reintroduced them at various points. And in fact, we talked about Mego earlier. Mego came out with their own line of, uh, they called them the Elastic. There was Elastic Batman, Elastic Hulk. They came out okay. with another one. Every now and then they'll come out. They came out in the 90s again. They reissued Stretch Armstrong. But apparently the original 70s ones are among the most collectible toys out there. Intact. Because they're so <laughs> fragile, yeah. right? They're so, like, to, not only to have survived being played with by kids, but I guess, you know, they're latex rubber and oh, this yeah. vistus gel. If, you if they're stored them. in too hot temperatures or too cold temperatures, right. they just disintegrate. Yep. And, you know, a lot of these hardcore collector guys, they'll say people will find them in their attic and like, oh, I remember this toy. And you pull the arm and it just comes right <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, thousands of dollars, uh, literally thousands of dollars oh, for wow. some of these. And they estimate that for some of them, they estimate that, you know, for the Batman and the Hulk, there may be fewer than 20 left in the entire oh, world. Geez. These hardcore collectors. Kids are monsters. You can count, yeah, you can count on one hand the number of stretch Batmans left in the world, apparently. Wow. Um, I read uh, just a couple <laughs> quick little tidbits. I read that from 1976 to 1979, Mego was the largest buyer of corn syrup in America <laughs> to fill oh, these Wow. Numbers. And perhaps most depressingly, well, I, I think we can all agree that, uh, you know, nothing makes a better movie than a movie based on a toy, right? In 2008, they picked up the rights for Stretch Armstrong <laughs> to make a movie out of it, much the way they've done with Battleship. And yeah. Taylor yeah. Lautner was apparently attached to the project. To be Stretch Armstrong. To be Stretch Armstrong. Uh, <laughs> he is no longer connected to the project. Um, so <laughs> connected. Look, yeah, so look forward to that. Apparently, the, one of the rarest Stretch Armstrongs was kind of created as a joke by some of the employees at Mego. They customized some of the molds and made two Stretch Armstrong with manhood. And I'll just let you imagine what that means. <laughs> oh, with manhood. With I, I was manhood. imagining like like a hoodie. What? Like a manhood. So yes, there are two uh, anatomically correct Stretch Armstrongs. Of course, well, of course correct <laughs> being very very loose. It's uh, like flesh colored plastic right, in your right, whatever. Right. Nice. So that is our show. Thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you guys learned a lot about Stretch Armstrong, <laughs> uh, anatomy, and whatnot. Masters of the Universe. Master- oh, man, yeah. yeah. So uh, you can find us on Zoom Marketplace, on iTunes, on Stitcher, and also on our website. And we'll see you guys next week. Right. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.